wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Now, please welcome at this time your hosts, Graham, GSM Matthews, and RJ Marceau. You're listening to the next era of wrestling radio. This is Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. Huge interview on tap for you fine folks here today, ahead of Elimination Chamber this coming Saturday. We're talking to WWE SmackDown superstar, future WWE Hall of Famer, a 14-time world champion, the Viper himself, Randy Orton. Now, I mentioned this to him during the conversation that you'll soon hear in a few moments, but he's been in my interview bucket list for a very long time now, an opportunity I never thought would arrive because Orton really doesn't do many interviews, and he hasn't now for a very long time. But I had the chance to chat with him on Monday about Elimination Chamber coming up on Saturday, his new a doc airing on Sunday, being back on SmackDown, enjoying this point in his career right now um his theme song almost getting changed before his recent return to wwe very interesting insight on that and a whole lot more what was supposed to be a 10 minute conversation turned into a 20 minute conversation randy was very talkative very insightful very fun to chat with so i hope you enjoy the interview as much as i did doing it then on the back end of the podcast we'll talk to mr marceau about raw smackdown Elimination Chamber coming up on Saturday, full picks, preview, and predictions for that pay-per-view, and so much more. But before we get to that, gotta mention this first. New episodes of WrestleRant Radio are available every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Find the show, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single week. For more interviews like this and in-depth discussions as you'll hear in the second half of the show. Now, without further ado, enjoy my exclusive conversation with the legendary Randy Orton. Randy, what's going on, man? Hey, Graham. How you doing? Doing good. How about you? Uh, I'm, I'm great. About to jump on a plane to Australia for my ninth elimination chamber match i'm excited about that it's been i don't know it's been uh, five or six years since i've been to australia so looking forward to returning to the land down under it's a big weekend for you man you're in the chamber on saturday you got this a e doc on sunday you've been back for three months now in wwe just talk about just to rewind a little bit how's it been like being back in wwe being back on the road after 18 months away and just kind of starting to appreciate it a little bit more knowing at one point your career could have been over yeah, yeah, it was, and for, for about six months, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen, and, and I had a, a top-of-his-class neurosurgeon tell me, you know, think about quality of life, post-career, you know, it's probably time you hang up the boots, and, and that was after seeing an MRI, um, uh, Riddle and I had been going for about a year, mm-hmm. and, and bless, bless his heart, 
uh, because of him, I was able to do it that last year, but it got to a point where my symptoms were just killing me. And I had never taken a cortisone shot because I knew that that was a slippery slope on the spine. And that was kind of my, you know, my, I had that in my back pocket, like break glass in case of emergency type thing. So in my head, I was going to get a cortisone shot epidural and that was going to give me, you know, an extension on my career. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but that MRI came back and there was so much just degeneration and I had a stenosis of the lower spine. Um, and I had a disc that was slipping and just the the level of degeneration that I had, no shot was going to help me. Like I needed a spinal fusion and I actually had an auto fusion at L5 S1, which, um, you know, my body fused itself at that level and that just is a testament to just how destroyed my back was for my 30s that that decade from Mm -hmm. 2010 to 2020 man like i was in pain that whole time and and now after everything's said and done the surgery was a success i put on 30 pounds of muscle um purely because of my change in diet and the fact that i was able to train differently and harder in areas that I had to leave alone for such a long time. So my body really reacted. And I feel at 275 pounds, I'm the weight that I should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel great now. I feel like I got a new lease on life. I feel like at 43, I can honestly say I'm smack dab in the middle of my prime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people might roll their eyes at that statement after 24 years in the business. But, you know, that's how I feel. And, and never in my 30s was I feeling as durable and as pain-free as I am now. So being back, like you said, I, I got a new look. I, I've, I've got a new outlook, I should say. And that is that I don't want to take a second for granted because I realize how, how quickly it can all be taken away because it almost was. That's awesome, man. I think it translates to the TV as well. I mean, we see you on SmackDown every week. It looks like you're out there having a blast in the ring, even with promos, interacting with the audience. And you were having a blast even during the RK Bro stuff as well, obviously. We saw you on TV doing stuff that would have been uncommon for Orton, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But it's cool to see now. Sure. But you talk about like, your, you. You, yeah, of course. You talk about your time off and being home and the rehab and stuff like that. But when you're not dealing with that sort of stuff, for the 18 months that you're gone, what are you doing to kill the time? And I know you're a gamer. I need to know what you're playing right now, too. But, like, any new hobbies, TV shows, stuff that you got into during your time off? You know, um, I think when I first was out, Elden Ring was popping. And Mm -hmm. I got hooked on the Souls games. Um, I'm actually playing uh, Lords of the Fallen right now. Uh, you know, when the kids go to bed before mama's ready to watch Netflix and chill, <laughs> I usually got 30, maybe an hour, hour and a half tops where I can get some gaming in. And that's mm-hmm. like my little de- decompression time. And, and my wife, Kim, is great at allowing me that. Um, so, so yeah, Lords of the Fallen is what I'm playing right now. And it's it's hard, but it's uh i'm i'm getting through it man and and i think those souls games are probably my favorite mm-hmm. but uh I, I did play the uh the open world zombies on uh call of duty and i loved that too that was a great change up for the zombies as well um i remember 
you know, and earlier in my career when guys like Cody Rhodes were into video games and yeah. like, ah, oh, you nerd. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. hey, Cody's a, f- a fucking video game nerd, you know. <laughs> and it's like, man, I got hooked. Yeah. So now it's like, I got that in common with these guys. So like, you know, when the Mortal Kombat came out and we're all on the road in Spain or wherever. Yeah. I'm sure Xavier, Kofi, they, they bring the, the console and everybody's playing. And, you know, it's, it's a good atmosphere. It's a good way for a bunch of guys away from their families to kill time and not be getting into trouble. You know what I mean? There, yeah. it's, it, there's nothing as, like, innocent as a bunch of guy, a bunch of old men playing video mm. games together. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know? cool, man. You, listen, you mentioned Netflix before too. It's fitting because Raw's going to Netflix in January of next year. Is there anything like you oh, binge? That's on- yeah, no, they're going to they're going to Netflix next year. You might be a Netflix superstar if you end up on Raw at that point. Who knows? But like when you talk about yeah. watching stuff on Netflix, what are you watching specifically on Netflix? Is it a show? Is it a movie? Like what are you watching on Netflix? Gosh, Netflix is like one of the first places my wife and I go nice. when we start looking for something uh to watch um i'm trying to think like i we watch so much shit like i (laughs) i'm thinking of stuff and i i can't even i I don't even know the net like so sure like ricky gervais afterlife that's on netflix Mm -hmm. right yep i think so yeah so so like we watched that recently and that was like a good change because normally we're like watching you know vikings and, and shit like that um but uh like anything like medieval or epic like uh i'm excited for dune 2 to come out mm-hmm. um gotta support know, dave yeah new... yeah yeah uh, say that again no i was just saying gotta support big dave oh yeah well, well you know what like i i don't even try to support dave yeah, i just yeah. support dave because he's in half the movies i watch <laughs> he'll just yeah. He'll just turn up. It's uh, I'm so proud of the guy, man. He's doing such a great job. He's mm-hmm. killing it. And and I, I respect the hell out of changing from our industry and going in to the Hollywood thing because that's that's rough, man. Yeah. Twelve hours a day on set, you know, traveling to and from set, next thing you know, like you, you got six hours to sleep, you can't get to the gym, you mm-hmm. missed a meal. You gotta you get you gotta uh, go over your sides for the next day, and then you just do it day, 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 day after day, and you might be away from your family for months and months and months. That's not really like to me. That sounds like a nightmare. Yep. So, like to be able to watch guys go do that and kill it, like Cena, like oh my god, like and you, you mark my words, man, John, like with with uh, Peacemaker. And, and, and everything that's been blowing up for John and like, I'll, I'll turn on uh, a streaming service and there's a movie John just put out and mm-hmm. it's like, holy shit. And, uh, <laughs> gotta support John. And, but like, mark my words, man, like in another couple of years, he's going to be as big as like the rock. He's going to be like, like he's got something special. Nobody can really do comedy like John and like, um, the John that I know, like once he's, really able to like get into that character and be be, be himself and it's kind of like uh peacemaker was was made for him yeah. you know like that role was almost written for him the way he acts in that that's the cena that i used to ride up and down the highways with <laughs> going town to town and, and, and yeah. had all these rivalries with man um so it's great to see but but i enjoy this life i enjoy 
wrestling in front of that live crowd, getting that immediate fix mm -hmm. of adrenaline from that reaction that you can almost be a, a puppeteer and create these moments and, and also listen to the crowd and let them take you on a ride to where you might end up somewhere where you didn't know you were going to go. Um, and, and I appreciate you noticing that like it comes across in the promos and in my uh, interactions with the other talent on TV, like that I'm enjoying mm -hmm. being out there because I really am. And I, I think that the more that I, I, I break out of my comfortable you know, zone, which I've done over the past few years, I think the better that, the, the, the better wrestler, the better, um, you know, talent I am, the more that I do that. I think so. I mean, it's cool, too, because you've had such a complex career as far as, like, some of the characters you've done. I mean, you talk about Big Dave and Cena and the characters and movies they've done. you got to give yourself credit, too, dude. I mean, talking about the career that you've had, like, the heel, the prime heel Orton from, like, 09, which is what I grew up watching, like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm 28, so I grew up on that show. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it's sure. great. Yeah, so just seeing that sort of stuff is cool. But, like, now, it's not even like you're playing a character. You're just out there fucking as yourself. Like, you are just Randy Orton yeah, enjoying yes. yourself, and it's cool to see. And it's crazy because, obviously, you're gone for 18 months. So much changes. The leadership, creative, Vince, Triple H, blah, blah, blah. Is that playing a factor in it as well as far as, like, not being as scripted when you're out there? Or is that not really factor? Like, what's been your experience like working under Triple H in the three months that you've been back? So, I'd say... Before I left, when I was doing the stuff with Riddle, and it was still the old guard, and, and, and you know nothing, had, none of those changes had taken place. Yeah. I was at, I, I was definitely at a point with Vince where he would he would allow me to approve my backstage uh, vignettes if I were able to pre-tape them mm -hmm. instead of having a producer come give it the okay. He'd just say, "Did you like it?" And if I said yes, then I don't need to see it. You know, like, so I was at a point with him where um, I had started cutting promos in the storyline that we had with Edge. And before we went into COVID, I had done some stuff in Brooklyn with Beth, where I RKO'd Beth. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, that segment, you know, Vince was like, man, you're on fire. You know, mm -hmm. that that was everything. And, and all I did was I, I, I had slowly stopped trying to attack these promos like i had to get what the writer was trying to tell me to say i had to get that point across instead i would take those words i would come up with my own way to say them and and, and listen those writers are great they're most creative people i know but a lot of times you know if you don't change the words and the way you're telling the story that, that they're trying to get you to tell it then it's going to come across as you not believing in what you're saying because mm -hmm. you're trying to memorize or and i was in i was stuck i was kind of like you know i wasn't putting as much time and effort into those promos and then when i started working with edge you know we had a lot of history and i was able to kind of go into our past and dig up some moments that were completely 100 percent factual and it just it enabled me to take the fans on a ride where they were able to see through my words. And it wasn't like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd flub a word or I would, you know, my grammar wouldn't be great or I would, I would misspeak, but because of the emotion behind what I was saying, it mm -hmm. didn't matter because they knew that I believed in what I was saying. And when I started getting the reaction 
to me on the microphone that I'd never gotten before. I realized like, Oh my God, I've been missing out on this for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. Like, Holy shit. Like it's so (laughs) much more than wrestling. The promos are are, are so important. And I, I hate that I was so late to the game on them, but just blessed that I'm still around to where I can continuously improve. And, and I think letting the people in, it's live TV. Anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So when someone yells something out during a promo and I kind of react to that person and like that wasn't planned. Yeah. People know it wasn't planned. So when you're able to have fun with the audience and pull them in a little bit more, the people at home see that and it just makes them see how comfortable you are out there and believe you're even more of a superstar than they might have thought before and and man the word superstar it's tough to say mm-hmm. when you're speaking about yourself but <laughs> yeah that's that you know you know what i'm trying to say it, yeah, it, it's yeah. just i can feel the change when i believe what i'm saying because those fans they believe it because they can see that i'm saying with those things with with conviction and i believe in them as well Definitely, dude. It comes across as genuine. I mean, you see it on the show, like I said. There's compilation videos on YouTube of you reacting to unplanned stuff, and it's just fucking funny. Like, you dancing to the New Day music from years ago or whatever. Like, there's a lot of that sort of stuff, you know? Shit like that. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. great, but... Yeah, that was the early... Uh, that was, like, me starting to, like, cut loose yeah, and just yeah. have a little fun out there. But, but it's, like, <laughs> it's such small shit, but that's the, that's the stuff people remember you know definitely that's what we're talking about right now but as we wind down here man i gotta know because the report came out about a month ago soon after you came back that wwe and correct me if i'm wrong try to change your music you've had rev theory now for 16 years voices for 16 years it's iconic to your character the report came out saying they wanted to either change it or modify it i know they did a different version of the song about a year ago did rev theory and it's sick obviously you're still using the original right now but can you confirm it like did they want to try out new music for you and can you use that eventual remix version at some point down the road i'm fascinated by the music so i would love to know yeah you know i've rev theory's great my song's great a lot of people enjoy it i have never loved 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 it wow interesting and yeah and man you see me bouncing my head to new day's music or like AJ Styles comes to the ring with his music. <laughs> yeah. I'm singing along, you know, Samoa Joe when he was with us. Yeah. Just the, the instrumentals, you know, Romans. Uh, there's there, there's a bunch of other guys, the Judgment Day music. Mm-hmm. Like some music that gets me going. The kind of music I listen to in the gym, um, the kind of music that pumps me up doesn't really fit Randy Orton, the character. Interesting. So, there is some, there is some truth to what you read, and but I was just as much behind it mm-hmm. as WWE, and we actually were working throughout the summer, me and Neil Lowry, um, with a new song, mm-hmm. and it kind of it kind of kept evolving and evolving, and then when we thought we kind of had something a higher up some WWE brass would listen to it and they'd go, ah, that kind of sounds a little bit like Romans here. So Mm -hmm. take that out. Then we'd kind of, it would evolve again. And then it'd be like, okay, well now what do you think? Oh, well, you know, we need to change this part because, you know, we need to have better cues for when we change camera angles and then it would evolve. And then it kind of got to a point where we played it at survivor series 
with the intent, like, okay, am I going to come out to a new song tonight? Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the decision in the 11th hour was voices is just a song that people have learned to love and God damn it. Even though it doesn't necessarily get my blood pumping, it gets all those fans pumping and they know when they hear that, you know, first few chords or notes or whatever, they know who's coming down. Mm-hmm. They know who's walking down to the ring and, and, and they know how, how that makes them feel. So to change all of that. And, you know, I was going to change my gear. I was going to try and make all these changes. Mm-hmm. I, I even looked, I, I bought a pair of fucking kick pads <laughs> because I thought like, let me try and change up my work. But then it, you know, in the 11th hour, it was like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, if I come back this rehashed, you know, I'm just going to look like some old guy who changed his clothes. Like, I need to be. <laughs> the rant. So yeah. I think the only change I had was instead of Orton on the back of my gear, it says RKO. Okay. <laughs> and that and that's the kind of change that a lot of people, unless you're looking for it, you're not even going to notice. Yeah. So, so, like, I think it's, it's, I, I like the fact that throughout the course the majority of my career, I've worn the same shit. I've come out to the same shit. I've done the same shit. And it's just, it's just worked. And if it ain't broke, why, you know, why change it? You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, but as far as the music goes, I would love before it's all said and done to have some music that gives me goosebumps. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, like I said, Voices is great, and it makes sense, and it, it, it the words make sense. It was, it was damn near written for me, I feel like. And Rich from Rev Theory is a hell of a singer, and the band's great, and, and you know, no problem with them at all. But you know, it's just not the kind of music that pumps up mm-hmm. Randy Orton. Maybe at some point, maybe uh, you know, down the road when you're in that, that fucking phase of your career, you could just try it and see if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least you could try it for like a month or something, you know, at some point down the road. Why yeah. not? Yeah, I, I've got to. I've got to. And, and you know, maybe we give, uh, you know, the fans a chance to hear what we started coming up with last summer. Because it's, it's not bad. It's just I think I, I don't really have the balls to pull the trigger because mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure on it yet. Just because yeah. I dig it doesn't mean everybody else will um and you know yeah i'm I'm just kind of stuck right now but but like if my biggest problem is that i've got a song of 16 years that everybody loves and i don't know if i want to change it or not like i'm i'm sitting pretty with just that problem yeah exactly man listen you got a great career going right now you got a great thing going we're loving you on smackdown you got elimination chamber on saturday in perth the 24th the new biography on sunday the 25th Randy, I appreciate the time, man. This has been awesome. I know you haven't done a lot of interviews over the years. I've had you on my Mount Rushmore of like you, Batista, Rock, and Christopher Lloyd, which is fucking random, I know, as far as people I've wanted to talk to. You were in the first match of the first WWE match I ever saw with William Regal 16 years ago, and that was what got me into wrestling, and we're talking here today, wow. so I appreciate it, man. That's great. And you know what's funny is um, I rode up an elevator with Christopher Lloyd in Dubai. Um, going no to a shit. restaurant with my wife. Yeah, I did a Comic Con that he was at, and we just coincidentally were on the same panel. And like, I grew up Back to the Future, and yep. Christopher Lloyd's the fucking man. So like, uh, he's up there on my bucket list too, and I got to scratch it off. So I hope you get to do the same, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. This has been awesome. Have a great one, Randy, and safe travels to Perth on Saturday.
Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. Big thanks again to Randy for the time. That felt a lot less like an interview and more like a casual conversation. And for me, anyway, those are like my favorite interviews to do. One of my favorites that I've done to date. He was tremendous. Really appreciate the time. It went from, like I said earlier, a 10-minute phoner to like a 20-minute conversation. So really appreciate that from him and WWE, the A&E folks, for making that happen. Uh, the article of that interview is also available right now over on Bleacher Reports. If you want to get the full written version of the article of the interview that you just heard, it's available right now over on BleachReport.com and the isolated audio of the interview also available right now over at YouTube.com backslash WrestleRan. That's where the interviews typically go first before they end up here. But now we throw it to my conversation with Mr. Marceau talking all things Elimination Chamber, Raw, and everything else new in the world of wrestling. Mr. Marceau, brother, how's it going? Doing good, how are you? Doing well. Are you excited to be up at fucking 5 o'clock in the morning on Saturday for Elimination Chamber or I, I, I assume that you probably will not be watching it live? I will not be watching it live. I plan on watching it uh, probably later in the afternoon or at night with my dad, probably. Very nice. I think it's best to avoid spoilers until then. This doesn't look like an overly eventful show on paper, to be perfectly honest, but um, I am looking forward to the show. We'll get into Elimination Chamber predictions a little bit later on. 5 a.m. is definitely a little bit too early for my taste, personally, obviously. Uh, the, the show will be over by the time I'm usually up anyway, but um, I'll figure something out, and we'll, we'll talk about it next week here on the show, but we'll do predictions a little bit later on. Uh, now, we don't typically talk SmackDown here on the show, and we've talked a lot about the Rock, Roman, Cody stuff. We've talked a lot about that lately, but i got to get your thoughts on this. Heel Rock on SmackDown last week, back in full swing with the Versace vest um, on SmackDown, trashing the audience, and just going all in on the fans that were there, kind of giving us a, a blend of 98 Rock, Hollywood Rock from 20-plus years ago. And you and I have joked about Hollywood Rock a lot, like with some of the stuff he was saying during the Rock concerts, and it was fucking funny. We even seen that side of the Rock since then. And for me personally, I love that promo on SmackDown last week, because I have never gotten Heel Rock in my entire fandom of WWE. Obviously, when you started watching, you got a little bit of it before he took off, and that heel, the whole Heel Rock thing was short-lived anyway. But we got it back on SmackDown last week. Kind of a polarizing promo. Some people really liked it. Some people, not so much. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. What were your thoughts on the first Heel Rock promo in 20-plus years? Uh, I thought it was good. Not great. I feel like he kind of pandered a little bit. Like, he was... Like, I get, like, he was going heel, so he was, like, trashing the crowd, but I wish we got a little bit more substance out of it. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was just kind of, like... That was all he really did was kind of, like, trash the crowd. And, obviously, we got the... with the bloodlines cooking, so you get, like, the kind of final exclamation point on it. But I wish we got a little bit more, like, in-depth. Like I said, I feel like he just constantly just kept bashing the crowd. Um, I thought we'd get a little bit more substance. But, uh, like I said, we've got Heel Rock. All he needs now is the Heel Rock uh, the music. He needs the... is cooking. Oh, God. <laughs> like, he can't have his normal music if he's a heel, so... Yeah, yeah. I think he needs to go Holly full Hollywood rock and get the theme back. Well, I think the question is, well, first of all, obviously, I don't think this was the plan. We established that a few weeks ago. They definitely pivoted from what they were going to do with Rock and Roman, which would would have absolutely been heel Roman, babyface Rock. Going into WrestleMania 40, they changed course. Now, the question is, and, and as far as the promo goes, I really enjoyed it, but I understand what you're saying, and a lot of people had uh, kind of echoed those same sentiments, and I agree as well, um, as far as it didn't really have a lot of depth or a lot of meat to the promo. I was fine with it for the first week, because I feel like he just wanted to go out there, get booze, really find his footing again in the role. And we know that he has it in him. If he's just recycling the same insults from 25 years ago, 
between now and WrestleMania, that probably won't work out long term. But I think with that first promo, it was fun, a nice trip down memory lane. He can't do the same stuff every week. And he did kind of explain his actions in the sense that he said, and the logic didn't really make sense in the sense that um, he was like, oh, you know, Cody, you lost to WrestleMania, now you're asking for another shot. It's like, well, he won the Royal Rumble, so that's how you're in the opportunity to get this rematch of WrestleMania. They kind of left out that little detail, but he's a heel, so it doesn't really matter too, too much. Um, but I think they'll kind of get more into the serious stuff, and I hope they would, between now and WrestleMania. It's more of a question of how often he's going to appear on SmackDown. It was both him and Roman in the ring last week, and I thought they did a good job. Um, they won't, they might be on SmackDown this week because they pre-taped the show a week ago and they were already in the building. So they might've done a backstage segment. I'm not sure. But from that point forward, after Elimination Chamber, that's the key is really getting those guys on SmackDown together with Cody, the interactions, maybe even at the chamber itself of Rock and Roman show up, which they're not currently advertised to as of right now. But as far as going back to what you said with the heel rock theme, I think that'd be amazing. But do you think they may not do that for the sole purpose of, this could be short-lived, even more short-lived than Heel Rock from 03, and that they only might be doing Heel Rock through Mania, and Rock might secretly be working with Cody Rhodes. I was asked about that yesterday. I've been thinking about it a lot since Friday. People had the Easter eggs with the L on the face, and I didn't really buy too much into that personally. But what do you think? Do you think we could only be getting Heel Rock through Mania, and what are your whole thoughts on that? I know we talked a little bit about it last week, too. Yeah, I mean, I think if Rock's going heel, I think if it's eventually leading to a match with him and Roman, I think Roman would eventually go babyface, and you'd still have Rock heel. I don't know. I feel like Rock... Roman at this point is overdue for a babyface run. So if they're going to do him and Rock, I would have Rock stay heel, Roman go babyface. Um, so him kind of, I mean, I guess he technically could align with Cody, but that would make him a babyface. So yeah. um, I, I think if they get to the match, Rock, Roman, I want Rock heel, Roman babyface. I think that's the ideal approach. I think it would really change things up. If they just keep Roman heel, and he's obviously amazing in the role, and Rock as a babyface works because people like the guy. Um, that's fine, but it's not as intriguing to me. And that was the course they were going to do originally. No, I would have been perfectly fine with up until this point. But, you know, had they done that two years ago, a year ago even, it would have been okay because Roman had been champion, you know, for a long time, obviously, two, three years, and now four years. But by this point, we've had heel Roman for four years. People are already cheering him, and they have been for, you know, years now. But uh, Babyface Rock, I haven't really been impressed by what I've seen from him since he's been back, dating back to the Jinder Mahal promo, even the theory stuff, which I really enjoyed you know, back in September, but it's the same stuff, like, with the bitch-ass stuff and all the other typical insults. It's fun for one night, but when you're seeing it every single week, it doesn't really work. So, I think we need heel rock longer than Mania. I hope he's not in there just to turn on Roman. I don't really want Cody winning just off of a rock bottom or something dumb like that. The focus cannot be on rock and Roman, for that night anyway, maybe longer term, but not for Mania itself. Uh, did you kind of get the same feeling as I did watching that promo on SmackDown, that segment on SmackDown that, again, I really enjoyed, but Roman didn't really say much. He introduced The Rock as a member of the Bloodline, which was great, but Roman kind of took a backseat during that promo. Are you kind of worried a little bit as I am that Roman might be overshadowed going into Mania and that might be the, and unless, unless that's the intention, which I'd be perfectly fine with, and that, they kind of incorporate that in the story. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't really take that kind of approach. I mean, like I said, they didn't really say too much, but, I mean, I also expect Roman, I guess I don't know why I'd expect that, but I expect him to be on SmackDown more leading into Mania, so maybe he'll get the spotlight back. I think it was more just him, like, giving him, like you said, kind of putting the spotlight on Rock just to kind of get him in the bloodline and kind of focus on that more than himself. If it keeps continuing, like you said, it could kind of overshadow him, but 
I think it was just kind of just to put the spotlight on Rock joining the bloodline. Yeah, hopefully it was just, again, it was one of those things, like I said earlier, hopefully it was just for that first week, that was the dynamic of it, it was all about The Rock and him explaining his actions and kind of bringing back heel Rock, and it wasn't really a joint promo between the two, so... Roman just kind of staying in the background as the afterthought for that one segment I was okay with, again, for one week, but it can't continue through Mania when the focus really needs to be on both Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns and their WrestleMania main event, which Rock should stay out of and not get involved in as far as it being a triple threat or something like that. Uh, One last thing from SmackDown last week, Braun Breaker officially signing with the blue brand. He's been going back and forth. Does he go to Raw? Does he go to SmackDown? I figured he'd go to Raw because they planted the seeds for a feud with Gunther, not only in the Men's Rumble, but they had a couple interactions with Imperium on Raw since the Royal Rumble. But they threw us a curveball. He's going to SmackDown. Nick Aldis put pen to paper with him on uh, Friday night last week. And now Braun Breaker is officially property Friday night. So your thoughts on Braun Breaker going to SmackDown specifically and who you see, like what does what his path to WrestleMania look like? Is he at the WrestleMania card? Is he just in the fucking Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal? He's making his in-ring debut on SmackDown next week. But what do you see him ultimately doing, if anything, at WrestleMania itself? Yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, I thought he'd go to Raw um, just because, I mean... With Brock being out, they seemingly said it was going to be Brock Gunther. I mean, maybe they decided to go in a different direction, but they said that in the Rumble. Basically, Braun took over Brock's spot, seemingly go to Raw, shooting against Gunther. At this point, if he's on SmackDown, it doesn't really make too much sense. Um, so, I, 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 if I'm going based on anything, I, they said maybe like a Battle Royal or maybe a segment, he comes out and spears someone. But besides that, I don't know really on SmackDown, who you'd have him face at this moment. Maybe they build something up in the next month or two. Um, but as of now, it doesn't seem like he really has a set, a set plan on, on SmackDown, so that kind of surprised me that he, he decided to go with some, They put him on SmackDown. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys where on SmackDown right now, I mean, he's one of those guys going to WrestleMania weekend, where in years past we've seen this before, where people get called up prior to WrestleMania and not after WrestleMania. Sami Zayn did the same thing eight years ago, where he both competed at TakeOver and at WrestleMania that same weekend, uh, against Shinsuke Nakamura on Friday, and then against or the Intercontinental Championship ladder match at Mania 32 that Sunday. Uh, Braun Breaker, I would think, is going that same direction, because he's currently one half of the NXT Tag Team Champions, just won the belts a week ago, and they were teasing that they might... I mean, I know Chase U became number one contenders on Tuesday. It'd be pretty fucking dumb if they put the belts on those two. And I would, I'd rather Breaker and Corbin become champions at all than not at all. Um, I don't really want to see the belts on Chase U. That's not really a stand-and-deliver-worthy matchup. So I think he's going to do his farewell at that show. Same thing with Ricochet and Aleister Black. They were also called up before Mania wrestled their final NXT match Mania weekend and then went to the main roster full-time after that, but they were also at WrestleMania that weekend. Um, I I think you could do something similar with Braun Breaker, and there's a few people on SmackDown right now that are free of any feuds. I know AJ and LA Knight have been kind of going back and forth, and that might be the Mania direction. I don't really need to see that, because I'd rather see LA Knight face Logan Paul for the United States Championship. They could do Logan Paul and Kevin Owens, because they haven't really resolved that rivalry, but I think you can wrap that up on TV and not a Mania. Um, but yeah, AJ Styles, I'm hoping Ellie Knight's accounted for at Mania, but AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, potentially, Randy Orton's another option. Do any of those opponents strike you as being intriguing possibilities for Braun Breaker at WrestleMania? They do. Do you think Braun's going to be a heel, though? I think he's going to be a baby baby face, face. yeah. I hope he's he's a heel. If he's a baby face, I don't know. I mean, I guess AJ would work. I mean, Owens is kind of like a tweener, so it doesn't, like, overly matter. Yeah. Um, Orton... We'll see on that one, but 
Yeah, I mean, it all really depends on what they do with him. I feel like that he should have a match. You bring him up, you're acting like he's this big-time free agent. Um, same thing with Jade. When she eventually signs, I think she'll have some kind of involvement just because, why shouldn't you? She just signed this big free agent you've been telling us about. should have some kind of notoriety at the mm-hmm. big event. So we'll see. Um, I'm interested to see what happens on Friday. I'm not, I didn't read any spoils, so I don't even know who he faced. Um, but we'll see, and I think it's a good pickup for SmackDown. I agree. You know, I'm looking forward to the debut match on Friday, too. I also do not know who he's facing. But, uh, you know, he looked really impressive in the Rumble. He's had a great run in NXT dating back to late 2021. He could be one of the best prospects to ever come out of that performance center. Just built up. From the ground up, I know he's got the generational history, but the guy didn't step in a ring before he got to WWE and wrestled his first TV match within months of entering the business back in 2021. So, And he's progressed, obviously, a lot. He was NXT champion for a year. He's had the great heel run recently, just became tag team champion. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he could do on SmackDown. Now, we transition over to Raw on Monday, which I thought overall was a great show in Anaheim. Hot crowd. A lot of talking point from this show. First of all, in the opening match, they gave away Cody and Drew McIntyre, which I thought at one point might be the Elimination Chamber match. They did it on Raw instead. Drew's in the chamber, so that would explain why. Um, But they did Drew and Cody. They had a great match. Their first one-on-one match, I think, ever in WWE. I know Drew had said that, uh, I think Cody... Yeah, they had a match in, like, I don't know, that What Culture promotion, whatever it was. They didn't say that on TV, but I just remember that was the promotion and where it was. Back in 2017, before Drew went to WWE, and I think Cody beat him. Um, that was the last match they had pre-outside of WWE. They wrestled on Raw. McIntyre won this one, and they had a really, really good match. Solo, Jimmy uh, Uso getting involved, and uh, McIntyre handing Cody Rhodes his first pinfall defeat since Mania 39. Now, I know... He has lost since then, obviously, in tag team matches, has Cody, not by pinfall. And he did lose one-on-one to Brock, which they didn't, like, pretend didn't happen, because that wasn't a pinfall loss. He, like, faded out. He uh, passed out in a fucking <laughs> the arm bar or whatever it was. The Kimura at the Night of Champions pay-per-view, which was a goofy-ass finish then and, and still is kind of now. But he wasn't pinned, though. He hasn't been pinned since Mania, at least until Monday night. McIntyre picking up a big win. Definitely surprising for a guy that reportedly has not re-signed yet. And that's what they say. So they say. He could very well have re-signed by now, and they're just kind of keeping the wool over our, our over our eyes. But um, your thoughts on the matchup and McIntyre's big win as far as, you know, we don't know what this guy's future really uh, has in store for the company, if he's staying or if he's going. And I would love to see these two run it back at some point down the road. That, to me, is a telltale sign that he probably is staying, because I don't know if they would have done that otherwise. Yeah, I thought this was a great way to start the show. Um, a great match. Like you said, I think it's the first time they were wrestling in WWE together. I thought it was a great match, especially on Raw. Um, Drew winning was a, a bit surprising. Like you said, I mean, they keep saying that he's not re-signed. I mean... Who knows? I think it sounds like it's like an MJF situation. Like, they keep saying, like, oh, he's not signed. But, I mean, they, I feel like they wouldn't be putting him in these positions if he wasn't. Like, mm-hmm. why would you put him up on top, beating Cody, let alone, seemingly facing Rollins at WrestleMania, if he wasn't going to resign? I don't know. It seems kind of foolish. It doesn't seem like a WWE thing to do. So, we'll see. But I think it's a big win for Drew. Kind of gets him some credibility back. I feel like he did lose a couple times. So, I feel like they're kind of starting to build him up good again. Um and I thought it was a great match. The solo Jimmy interference gave me shades of uh, 39. But uh, yeah. I just think it was the right thing to do. Great for McIntyre. And Cody doesn't lose anything to defeat just because of the interference. So I think it was good at all 
kind of parts. They definitely did that on purpose. So not only just Jimmy coming out, which was Mania 39, but the 39 interference right down to Solo wearing the dumbass hoodie, which at this point, listen, it is a running gag at this point that every time Solo gets involved in any Bloodline match, the guy's wearing a fucking hoodie. Like, what's the point? What's I didn't even know it was him. I thought it was like a random fan <laughs> that hopped around. <laughs> Dude, right down to the right down to the crossroads spot <clears throat> where he was gonna do the move to McIntyre. Cody Rhodes gets pushed into the ropes. Solo does the uh, the thumb, the uh, Samoan spike right to the throat of Cody. McIntyre capitalized. It was just amazing. I'm like, dude, are we really doing the exact same finish? In California, no less. The exact same state, not far from L.A., where they did the last. I'm like, you people have balls. And I'm sure they're going to run that back in Mania again. And this time, Cody better kick out. Imagine they do the exact same finish and, <laughs> and Roman wins again. I mean, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but... Man, uh, I thought that was funny. So, McIntyre winning was cool. I hope that means that maybe if Cody wins at Mania, fingers crossed anyway, that meant maybe McIntyre is his first opponent, or, I mean, if McIntyre wins the World Heavyweight Championship, that won't be necessary. But it was a big win for McIntyre. Really happy to see him go over. Um, Another thing worth noting from Raw on Monday that I wanted to get more thoughts from you from that I asked you about on uh, over text on Monday night, the WWE UFC crossover. Now, I know they were talking a lot over the weekend about this because Anaheim, I think, is going to be like their hub for like the TKO events with WWE and UFC. UFC had an event there a couple days earlier. Um, they had Michael Chandler in the crowd. They introduced him. It wasn't like it was a unplanned spot or he grabbed the mic. They gave him the mic and he called out uh, Conor McGregor, who has not fought in, how long has it been? Six, seven years, dude? It's been a while, hasn't it? Um, I don't think it's been that long. It's probably been three or four. Last time he fought, I think he fought right after COVID, and then he got hurt again. Oh, so, okay, okay. Um, it's been it's been more recently, twenty twenty one. Oh wow, he okay. fought twice in twenty twenty one. So it's about <clears throat> a little bit over almost three years at this point, basically. Okay, all right, interesting. So it's been a while, but he did call him out. Setting up potentially a big fight for UFC in a WWE venue, no less. Um, your thoughts on that? Because, again, not even me being the biggest UFC fan, I thought it was really cool. And maybe we could see more of that, the crossover between the two companies under the TKO umbrella. I don't know about doing WWE stuff at UFC events. That might be a bit goofy. But the crowd received this well, and it went over really well. And I thought it was a nice change of pace compared to what we typically see on a WWE program. Yeah, I know. I thought this was a good little spot. Like you said, it was announced over the weekend that like the TKO group had come to agreement with Anaheim and the Honda Center. They have three events total between UFC and WWE mm-hmm. over the next five years, I believe it was. I think till 2028. So, I mean, they're kind of, seems like they're setting up their blueprint. I think they have some kind of financial interest in uh, some kind of development around the arena as well. Sounded like it did. So, sounds like they're kind of getting in that business as well. Um, but I thought it was good. They had the fight. They had the pay-per-view this weekend at the Honda Center. Bianca, they showed Bianca and Montez in the crowd. And oh, right. Like yeah, they a, did. Yep. They showed them and uh, kind of like, like I said, and like put like the graphics so people knew who they were. Um, and they said Michael Chandler here. We'll see. I mean, I thought it was a good crossover. Um, like they said, the crowd took it well. I mean, like I said, they just had the fight there the other night. So it's not like they had the fight and I don't know. Chicago, and then the next yeah. night they're showing it. Like, at least I think the crowd was enough familiar with it, and, I mean, McGregor's so big, I feel like I got it, but um, I think it was good capitalization of where they were, and I, I think it's a good idea to kind of use both and try to get publicity out both of them, so yeah. I, I thought it was good. 
Do you think that could be the extent of it as far as furthering, I don't want to say programs, because UFC doesn't have programs, obviously, but, you know, setting up fights and calling people out, because that was a very, w I mean, I, I can't even say that's a WWE thing to do, because they do that stuff in UFC all the time after their fights, but do you think we could see, like, a Michael Chandler in the WWE ring, and maybe not a WWE guy in the UFC octagon, that'd be a bit goofy, but... Um, you know, we, we, we've talked for years about people from UFC doing stuff in WWE, whether it be McGregor or the guy, God, I forgot his name, the guy that Brock really wanted to face. He retired recently. Daniel Cormier. Daniel, yeah, he's a big wrestling fan, Cormier, and I thought he might do something with WWE, um, like a more intricate role, and that never really happened. Could you see something like that happening at some point? Would you even want to see something like that happening at some point if it was done properly? If it's done properly, yes. Um, like you said, it really just depends on what they do. I don't know how far they're going to go with the whole UFC WWE crossover. Like, I don't know. People kept saying, like, oh, they showed WrestleMania 40. It means they're going to have the fight there. I mean, I highly doubt that, but who, who knows at this point. So, I mean, now that the companies are under the same umbrella, I feel like that possibility is endless. Yeah. Um, with a huge like entity like that, I mean, they can pretty much do whatever they want. I didn't think about the Mania thing. I mean, listen, I think that I think that would be cool. But the problem is, and you were there too, for SummerSlam, and this isn't, <clears throat> you know, the same thing because it's Ronda and Shayna Baszler, but they had that fight, that no, wasn't a fight pit, it was a MMA rules match is what it they called MMA it. MMA rules match. MMA rules match, the crowd couldn't have cared less. And listen, I thought, it, we, we talked about it in the arena, I thought it was well worked, but no one gave a shit. Um, again, it's Shayna and Ronda, who I, I like the two of them, and I thought they had a great feud and whatever for the short time it happened, but... There wasn't really any incentive to cheer for one over the other, but people just didn't really take to the match. Would WWE fans take to something like that if they were to do it in a wrestling ring, or do you think it would have to be the right people involved? Um, I think it had to have the right people involved. Like I said, McGregor's like the biggest star, so I mean, yeah. if that didn't work for them, I mean, I don't know what would. Um, I don't know. I think, I think in the right situation, it would work. I feel like you'd have to have some kind of octagon, though. Like I said, like, in the ring, it's kind of bizarre. I don't know if you put just, like, the cage around it and just do like an MMA match. I'm not really quite sure exactly what we do. The whole thing with the Shane Ronda one, I think no one cared, but then it was like, they were just like mixed martial arts in a WWE ring. But like, it just, it just didn't work. I just don't, I don't know. I, I just think with the right people, it can work. Like you said, mm -hmm. um, but ideally it'd be, um, I mean, I think you'd have to put some kind of cage around the ring. Yeah, I mean, listen, and Ronda is obviously, they, both Ronda and Shayna are from the UFC world, from the MMA world, so they had the experience, and I don't know, they, they tried it and I appreciated the attempt, but it just didn't work, it was a failure, it was a bust. But I think with someone like a McGregor, with him being as charismatic as he is, and I haven't seen him in a few years, obviously, since his last fight, I, hadn't, I, didn't, I didn't think he even fought in 2021, I thought it was even longer than that. But the guy's got, obviously, a lot of charisma. I think people have been saying for a decade now that he'd be perfect for the WWE world. So if they were to try it, I would I would definitely be interested. It may not work, but if they want to give it one, you know, a, a good old college try at Mania, I don't, I don't see why not. I don't know how many people would take to it, but I think if done tastefully and properly, then it might be something uh, different. And they've been doing a lot of different stuff lately, and honestly, that's really from a production standpoint, but... They've been trying a lot of new stuff uh, production-wise, and a lot of it has paid off, and it's really made for an enjoyable experience watching these shows, specifically Raw. So I wouldn't be opposed to it personally. Uh, one last thing from Raw, the main event, which I know is still a sore spot for you all these days later. Jey Uso coming up short of winning the Intercontinental Championship from Gunther in another great match. I mean, the, the sky's blue, obviously. Gunther uh, delivers a champion. When does he not? A really, really good match here. So the funny thing about 
I mean, listen, Gunther was never really going to lose. Let, let's be honest here. I know you would ask me on Monday, is there any shot that Jake could win? I don't want to say no. I don't want to say no shot. I said there was no real shot is what I meant to say. I apologize. There was definitely a slight chance Jake could go over. I don't think it was 50-50. I don't think he was ever the favorite. Could he have won and taken the title to Mania to face Jimmy? Yes. Was that going to happen? Probably 90-10 not. I would even go maybe not 95, but it was a very slim shot. Um, and then that WrestleVotes report came out right after Raw, indicating that people backstage thought he was going to win. I mean, that wasn't the plan. I mean, people are treating this like they changed plans. I don't think that was ever the fucking plan. You don't just change plans on a title change like that when it's going to affect WrestleMania and it's on a random Raw before Elimination Chamber. Um, I think they had just done that to swerve people backstage and maybe weed out the, the leakers and stuff like that. That sounds weird. But the people that leak information um, to the dirt sheets and the news websites and whatever. And I think if they do that, then great, because I don't really want that shit spoiled anyway. Um, but Jay Uso ended up losing. Jimmy Jimmy Uso cost him. I figured that would be the direction they went. And we talked about this a month ago. I asked you about it. And they did exactly what I thought they would. And we'll talk about Jimmy and Jay for a second. But just just focus on the report for a second about from WrestleVotes. And whether they, you know, if you thought uh, a title change was really that possible and what their idea was behind uh, telling people, hey, Jay might win, Jay's going to win, and then he doesn't. Yeah, like you said, I think it's more just like the swerve and maybe get the uh, Stooges out and just kind of see, like, what happens if you kind of leak that information and it doesn't actually happen. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say on the report, I guess. What What were your thoughts on the match itself? I thought it was a really good match. I hated the finish. I and like I said, I'm a mark. I get it. I just didn't like how he had him dead to rights in the middle of the ring, and they ended it with the whole bell ringing. Like theoretically, if the bells ring, shouldn't the match just be over at that point? So like, then Gunther got up and hit him with a power bomb one and one two three. I don't know. I I like I get why they did it, but as someone that was so invested, I fucking hated the finish. I got so I like literally jumped out of bed. I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna win. And the stupid bell ring. And then it's Jim, Jimmy with the hoodie. Like, we talk about, they, like, lose yeah. the hoodie. The hoodie needs to go. Like, it's <laughs> not, it's not, it's just, I get what they try to do. It, it was different. Like, it wasn't like he pulled the referee's leg out like they've done a thousand times. So give him kudos on that, I guess. Like, it was finally a different creative, in quotations, finish. But I just felt like they, he had him a little dead to rights in the middle of the ring and he got crossed. And it just, it sucked. But yeah. the match itself was good. So was it just the execution or the fact that Jimmy Uso got involved? Um, I think it was just the way it happened. I just don't like the whole bell ring. Like, I don't know. Like, why would the referee just, not like, count three? Is that your point? Like, it's just that, and it's like, I don't know. I just didn't love that way they did it. Like I said, I guess it's more creative than, like I said, like him pulling out the referee again, like they just did at SummerSlam, but... I don't know. Like, I guess I knew that's where it was going because we like, said that we know where it's. I just, I don't know. I just, I don't know if it's execution or what happened. I just, I don't know. I didn't like it. I just didn't really like it. So Jey Uso loses. He is not taking the title to WrestleMania. And this is not the first time that Jimmy Uso has cost him a championship. They lost the tag team titles, him and Cody, him and Jay and Cody, that is, because of Jimmy Uso back in October on Raw. He failed to win the Universal Championship at SummerSlam, obviously. We were there for that one. Um, when he cost Jay the championship on that show against Roman Reigns. He also inadvertently actually cost him the United States Championship, too. I totally forgot about that until someone reminded me of it on Twitter a few days ago. Um, back in last June, I think that was when they were still friends, and they were teasing tension, and they ultimately 
left the bloodline and then Jimmy Uso turned on him anyway and, uh, you know, rejoined the bloodline, that whole dumb thing. But yeah, he cost him the United States Championship as well. And even, honestly, even you can go as far back as the Universal Championship itself during Jay's two first opportunities at Hell in the Cell and Night of Champions in 2020. In, in I think it was Night of Champions he threw in the towel. And then at Hell in the Cell, he only quit, did Jay, because Jimmy was locked in the uh, uh, guillotine. Yeah, guillotine from Roman Reigns. I love how you know this stuff, like the back of your hand. The Bloodline <laughs> Saga. Um, anything with Jay Uso, I can remember. <laughs> anything else, foggy memory. Yeah, right. No, but still, yeah, you're right, though. It was the guillotine, and he, and he quit because of him. So this obviously goes back a long way. I have to ask you this, though. We already talked about it, so I already know the answer, but i got to get this on record. Does what we see on Monday with Jimmy costing him the championship, hitting the two splashes, really going all in on that attack, a pretty vicious attack, not too vicious, but aggressive enough, does that put any more heat on Jimmy Uso than what he had before? Does this make you care about Jimmy and Jay at WrestleMania one-on-one? It does not. <laughs> I spoke to my dad about this the other night, and he like literally like kind of echoed what we've been saying. And he's like, Cavs was a yeah, dumb. It's yeah. just like... Jay is so much, he's so over compared to where Jimmy currently is. Yeah, he attacked him. He cost him, like you said, five, technically go all the way back, he's cost him five or six title shots. But at the end of the day, they have done a poor job on booking Jimmy Uso. I don't think that they didn't, like, we mentioned the other day in text, you're like, oh, maybe they didn't think Jay would be that over. Jay was that over before they even broke up. And and once he kind of went on his own, I feel like the crowd got behind him. Um, we saw that at SummerSlam, especially when he came to Raw. Like, crowd was clearly behind him. So that was in September, October. He's been getting over, more over it since that time. You think they maybe switched Jimmy's booking a little mm-hmm. bit, but he's literally just been the joke stooge of the bloodline. Loses whenever it matters. Solo's only so serious one. Jay's, Jimmy's a clown. And then they have him cost him the belt here. I mean, I guess this is where we're going. I just have to accept at this point, but I think they've done a terrible job building up Jimmy Uso. Just, I, you're right. I, I did say that I didn't think that they thought, I'm confusing myself here, that they didn't think that he might be as over as he was, Jay. Because you're right, he was over before they broke him up. I'm not sure if they thought it would be sustained on Raw. Because Jay's lost a lot. Like, Jay's lost the Intercontinental Championship opportunity, the World Heavyweight Championship opportunity, the tag team titles, and the list goes on. But he's still fucking over. But you're right, though. At a certain point, even a couple of months ago, you would think, they've known about this match since... SummerSlam. That's the whole reason why they broke them up was to do this match. If they didn't intend on doing the match in Mania, they wouldn't have honestly probably broke them up. And I sure as fuck hope not that after they have their match in Mania or the feud or whatever it's going to be, how long it goes on for, and hopefully it ends in Mania, that they don't just put them right back together because Jey Uso is... And, and nothing against Jimmy. Jimmy's fine. Jimmy is fine. He's a fine competitor. But both Jay and a lot of other people on the roster are far better than he is. He has his role on the show. He's good. Maybe it's because if they booked him as more of a threat, people wouldn't have taken it seriously because I can't... I mean, I think Jimmy Uso beat AJ Styles at one point last year, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I know AJ's a stepping stone at this point, but, like, Jimmy Uso is... He's an, he's an average competitor. Not that Jay's, like, the greatest wrestler in the company, but he's just way more over, likable, better on promos, even better in the ring, which I would have never guessed five years ago with Jay Uso, but he's really coming to his own in this main event Jay role. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. What do you think about the feud itself? Like, do you think they just do a match of Mania and then move on? But I was talking to Randy Cruz yesterday, 
And he was like, well, you could have Jimmy Uso win and then extend the feud. No, no thanks. Like, can we just have Jay Uso beat him and then just move on? There's no reason to make this like a best of three or to extend this until Backlash. They just need to have Jay win so we can move the fuck on from this. Yeah, I don't want to see this continue. Um, especially where Jay is. I think him losing to Jimmy just brings him down. Just beat Jimmy, move on, continue his mm-hmm. quote-unquote story. I mean, he said he's trying to win a man, uh a title this year, so I just continue back to that, and Jimmy can go carry Roman's bags. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's a spot for Jimmy on the show, but being in a main event program is is not it. I, I think they wanted to do the match, and that's great. They've wanted to face each other at Mania for a very long time now. Jimmy and Jay have that brother match. You know, 30 years removed from Brett and Owen at WrestleMania 10. That's great. 15 years removed from uh, uh, Matt and Jeff at WrestleMania 25. <clears throat> but Jimmy's just not, he's not that guy, so to speak. And, and Jay is, and that's why they need to just have Jay beat him so we can move on from this. Uh, one last thing in the Intercontinental Championship. Now that Braun Breaker's on SmackDown, Jay Uso's been taken out. Who does that leave for Gunther to face the Mania? Is it a Sami Zayn, which I think is the most likely option? Is it Andrade, uh, who we saw vignette for on Monday, and they're calling him Andrade El Idolo in WWE, which I actually think is really cool. I think I think Andrade El Idolo is better than just Andrade, and they're taking that name from AEW and using it in WWE, which is cool. Is it a returning Sheamus, which is kind of a long shot, or he won on Monday, Chad Gable. Chad Gable might be getting that shot. Listen, I've been, I've been complaining a lot about this, and they put him on Monday's Raw. Is it too little too late? Probably, let's be honest here. But they could end up slotting Gable into that spot and have him face Gunther at Mania for the championship. Hopefully win. If he gets another opportunity and loses, that'd be pretty fucking dumb. Um, but who do you think faces Gunther at this point for the IC title at WrestleMania? Anyone but Chad Gable. <laughs> I'm set in stone. I'm a stick in the mud. Come on. I will not give in on this one. I can't. I won't. Um, that's like my bridge to die on. I don't know what do kids say nowadays. That's stuff. That's the hill I'm willing to die yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I want Chad Gable to win. Um, I'd rather do anyone else than him. Oh, man. So we're thinking probably Sammy then, I guess, if you're ruling yeah, out Chad. I, Sammy works for me. <laughs> Why not Chad? He's just a, He's just not who I want to be going through, I guess. Okay. All right. I think they... To, to, to play, as I say, devil's advocate, but to your viewpoint, really, um, they haven't done anything. A single thing, aside from what we saw in Raw, which I really liked, to build them up in the last there you go. five so months. The kids drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm just saying, because I, I just got to be realistic here. I, gotta, I, I really want Chad to get that match and to win the belt. But he hasn't even been on TV until Monday. He was, on, he was off TV since he lost to Ivar a month ago. And the only reason, like... How would I know that? Because I've been paying attention. I've been I've been singing this guy's praises for a while. I told you even a month ago that they could do Gable at Mania. But that was before they didn't put him in any matches on Raw. He hadn't won a match on Raw in fucking months. He wasn't even in the Royal Rumble. So, could they have him face Gunther? Yes. It's not too, too late, but it will be difficult to get people to take him seriously, like yourself. And it's probably over for you as far as you would get like warming up to the idea. But I'm sure you're not alone. So, I don't know. They, they have some work to do. And I guess we'll see what they do, but I wouldn't count that possibility out just yet. Um, now, I didn't watch Dynamite last night, so I'll keep this brief. I don't know what happened. I, I can't imagine much happened, but I do want to get your quick thoughts on this. Uh, this is AEW-related, which is why I bring it up. And I don't really typically talk about this sort of stuff, but I know Chris Van Vliet did an interview the other day with O'Shea Jackson, the uh, son of Ice Cube. He's a big wrestling fan. He's constantly tweeting about WWE and AEW and constantly arguing with fans over just nonsense, but... There was that clip that went viral among the wrestling community on, I think, Tuesday on X, Twitter, whatever. 
And he was talking about how, and he's mentioned this before, and you've talked about it, and we've talked about it here on the show. AEW needs to do a better job of introducing their wrestlers with video packages and vignettes, and fans not just dismissively saying, we'll Google it. You know, listen, I think for some people I understand that, um, especially if we see them consistently, like a Vikingo. You may not know who Vikingo is, but when he's on the show 30 times and you kind of know what you're getting with him, great. But when you see, like, the CMLL guys, he kind of has a point with, why am I supposed to give a fuck about these matches? Why should I give a shit about these guys? I remember Mystico from WWE, but that's really about it. That's really about it. That Hitchisero guy was really good. Great, but it feels like with every single new guy that comes in that isn't signed to the promotion, they should probably do a better job of letting me know who these people are without fans saying, well, just Google who he is. Well, even if you do that, that doesn't mean necessarily I'm going to care about the guy because they really know nothing beyond what I'm seeing in this Google search. So, I don't know. I just wanted to get your take on that. No, I completely agree. I think with a lot of these people, like you said, the whole Google it, that just, I mean... Why don't you just tell people who they are? Clearly, they don't know. Like, Google it. Like, I mean, that's just so lazy, and I hate it. I think it's like a poor excuse to, like, basically being like, or, or if people are like, you're not a real fan if you don't know who they are. Yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. don't watch fucking CML, CMLL. Honestly, I think the thing I heard that was more interesting is that the deal that Tony made with CMLL, if they're on the card, and no other Mexican talent can be shown on that show. So I guess they've had some issues with, like, Penta... Like, he showed up to a tape, and they're like, yeah, we can't use it because CMLL guys are on it. And they made a deal that if they're on the show, then no other Mexicans can be on the show, which I think is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. I don't know if that's true because I had seen that as well. I think that came from Meltzer. Meltzer's not had a good last week. I mean, did you see that whole thing with Rock and whatever? We didn't talk about that, that. dude. That was fucking embarrassing. And I don't want to pile on the guy too much. You know, you're blocked by him. (laughs) I'm blocked by him, so I can just go (laughs) off on a tangent if I want. I mean, I don't want to say everything he says is, uh, you know, false information, but, like, when you're starting to say that, oh, yeah, they're building The Rock and Triple H and they shot the segment, like, no, no, Dave, they did not. Like, there was a couple things. So what, what I was going to say was, as far as that, uh, what you just said, I mean, I think there was an instance where a CMLL guy was on Dynamite, like, a month ago, but also on that show, Commander was there, and he's a AAA guy. So I don't know if that's necessarily true. If it is, that's very dumb. Yeah, if, if that, I mean, like you said, if it is, if, it's, if that is true, that is probably one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. It's, like, basically yeah. screwing your own talent over. Yeah. But back to the whole point that we were discussing, I think the whole Google it thing is just a lazy excuse. I think WWE has done a, a lot better job. I don't know, they've done a ton of video packages as well. But with their new kind of pr- promotion or kind of production, mm-hmm. like Becky Lynch is coming out. Guess what they do before you go to this commercial? They show three or four pictures of Becky Lynch. Oh, I've never seen the show. Becky Lynch must be pretty important. They show a picture mm-hmm. of her, a couple pictures of her. They did it with like even like Liv Morgan or someone that's not even that over, but like a casual person watching. They're like, oh, this person must be like kind of a big deal. I mean, they're kind of like promoting them a little bit, and they've they've done that recently with the whole production change and i think it's a i think it's great i think yeah. i like what they've done with that i like what they've done um when they show start the show and they show them showing to the showing up to the arena it's very sport like feeling um but yeah i think like you said at this point if you watched weekly you know who uh vikingo is like he's on the show every week or was at a time but the whole like all these new cmll guys that no one knows it's just like don't say google it like do more to get people invested yeah, no, I, yeah, I can, I, I can agree with that. I mean, again, there's certain instances where, again, you don't need a video package for everyone. Certain people show up and they get a big reaction, and you have no idea who they are. There they are, but if they get a big reaction, it's like if you watch the Rumble 2016 and you did not watch TNA, which I know you obviously know who he was because we talked about it at the time. But AJ Styles shows up, 
No fucking clue who this guy is. But he gets a pretty big reaction and he's in there for 30 minutes. You're going to take notice of this guy. But when it's someone else like from CMLL who's not signed and you have nothing, you know nothing about him and they're not doing any... Like, I have no reason to care about that feud whatsoever. And the matches are fine. The matches are good. There's nothing wrong with the wrestling in AEW. But it's just, they need to do a better job with some of this stuff. It's like, why should I fucking care about some of these people you bring in that I have no idea who they are? And the matches are great, but that can't be the case with every single performer. I mean, I'm sure there's people that were not watching WWE four years ago when Andrade was last year, have no idea who he is. Maybe they have a lot of new fans, and they probably do do WWE. And now they're reintroducing him with vignettes on Raw, and I really like that, so... Um, again, it, it's not gonna. You don't have to do that with everyone, but I do think he had a point with what he said, and people jumped on him for it. And I'm like, that's exactly the problem where he was talking about how dismissive fans can be. But that's just the wrestling community. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, I think like you mentioned with the Andrade stuff, I feel like he's kind of the vignettes also like, oh, he's third generation. So if someone like said, so like you know, okay, he's third generation, so you can go out of your way to look that up. Oh, like he must have family wrestled. Oh, my wife wrestles. Oh, he's married. And when his wife is, oh, he's married to Charlotte Flair. Then like. They, they're doing stuff to get you more invested, even if you know who he is. Like, even, like, I don't know, it's like, that's the stuff they need to do. Like, they're just, mm-hmm. it just, I think it's something they're missing, like, by a tongue. Yeah, they just don't do enough of it. I mean, they do do video packages, not that they don't do none of it, but I'm just saying, for the wide majority of people, they don't. Like, Will Ospreay's fine. People know who Will Ospreay is, and if you don't, you're going to, because the guy's amazing. Google it. <laughs> I love the Google it lazy response. Uh, so as we wind down here, Elimination Chamber predictions, we'll make this quick here. Uh, there's not a lot of matches anyway, but some of these are pretty clear cut. Uh, Perth, Australia, Saturday, airing at 5 a.m. Eastern Time. Don't know if I'll be catching this one live, but um, I'll be avoiding spoilers until I do. Grayson Waller effect is happening on the show. Great for Grayson. Bronson Reed is not on the show, which makes no fucking sense. I complained about that last week, as did you. Uh, but the Grayson Waller effect is happening with Cody Rhodes and Rollins. We literally just got the Grayson Waller effect on the, what was it, Fastlane payback show back in the fall. This is the exact same thing with Cody Rhodes on a PLE, no less. Um, do Rock and Roman show up here? What are you expecting out of the segment? I don't know. I feel like we'll, I feel like if anything, we'll get like the fi- like the official sign of solidarity. Between yeah. And, yeah. And uh, Rhodes. I don't know if like Theory comes on, they just beat his ass, or or something like that, or they beat up him and Waller. But uh, I think this like they kind of tease like that. Rollins like I'm here for you. They did it on Raw again. Like yeah, and it was just in the medical room, but never got like actual words. So I think this is where we finally get like they're 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 together. Yeah, actually, that's a great point. I think they could. I know Rollins isn't cleared. I would assume as of not right now, um, but they can have Cody and Rollins get the better of Grayson Waller in theory, and then they can build to a tag team match before Mania if they end up doing Cody and Rollins against Rock and Roman. So I don't think Rock and Roman show up here. If they were, they probably would have advertised them, and they still could, but they probably won't. Um, I think that's probably what happens here. Undisputed WWE Tag Team Titles, Finn Balor and Damian Priest of the Judgment Day taking on Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne. Do we get a title change here, or is it pretty safe to say that Finn Balor and Damian are retaining? This is a tough one, honestly. I feel like the Judgment Day have cooled off a ton. Um, I feel like Rhea's kind of in her own stratosphere, and they're kind of dealing with the whole R-Truth stuff. Um, and I feel like Bruce, like, they're not... Australian, but you know, British, similar kind of descent. Sure. Um, that's a good. I, I'll I'll stick with the Judgment Day, but I wouldn't be shocked if they and done one maybe like some kind of R Truth interference cost on the belt. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll stick with Priest and Balor. 
I could see a potential title change here. I think they're going to stick with Judgment Day just because I think the end game to all of this is Balor and Priest against Awesome Truth because I don't know really how else you pay off the R-Truth thing. And I mean, yeah, he can cost them the belts, but I think it'd be more satisfying if he were to not face Damian one-on-one, but to win the tag. I mean, it's literally the bloodline thing with Sammy from last year. I get it, but I feel like that'd be a satisfying payoff. So I think uh, Judgment Day retain, Awesome Truth win the belts at Mania. Women's World Championship, Aussie native herself, Rhea Ripley. Nia Jax was actually born in Australia, too. I don't know how many people are going to know or care about that or cheer her there. Probably not. She will get monster heat, though. I don't know how great the match is going to be, but I think it's pretty set in stone Rhea retains here, as she should. Yeah, I think Rhea retains. I like on Raw. They did a good job kind of not putting it in doubt, but uh, Nia basically came laid out all the, the girls in the Elimination Chamber match, I guess they all kind of basically overshadowed her, came out, flattened them all, like I said, gave the casual, all of Nia might have a chance, Rhea, Rhea's beating her, so mm-hmm. um, Rhea wins here, and Nia faces Jade at WrestleMania. You mentioned it right there, and I think so as well, I think Nia and Jade is a pretty likely option. Uh, you mentioned it right there that the women's chamber match with the winner earning a world women's championship opportunity at the pay-per-view. Becky Lynch, Liv Morgan, Bianca Miller, Tiffany Stratton, Naomi, and Raquel Rodriguez, who returned on Raw. Pretty stacked matchup. Again, is it Becky here, or do they swerve us with a Liv or a Bianca win? Uh, I'm, I'm, I think it's Becky. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they do some kind of screwy finish that like Becky and Liv both win. Maybe it's like a tap-out, pin-same situation. Because I feel like Liv deserves to be on the card if she's not in the match. I don't really know what else you do with her, but they're doing like the whole Liv Morgan revenge thing, revenge tour. I feel like that's more than just a battle royal match. So, mm-hmm. like I said, I think they could maybe do something that maybe Liv's pinning Becky and like as they count three, she's tapping out. They just do like a draw. Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I want to see Rhea and Becky one-on-one, but I feel like Liv kind of deserves it and the way that they're kind of pushing her right now on Raw. Seems like she should be involved in something big. The SmackDown girls, I think they'll face each other just one-on-one at WrestleMania. Um, yeah. Naomi, she'll be in the Battle Royal, and Ra- Raquel just came back, so who really knows what they do with her. But I'll go with Becky, but I wouldn't be surprised they do some kind of like double-pin-tapped-out kind of thing, because I think Liv deserves it. I prefer that. I'd rather they do that than Liv and Raquel on that like dumb Mania showcase match again. Like That's a fucking waste. So, no, I would rather see that. I don't, I don't have high hopes. I think Becky wins decisively, but if they were to do something... With Liv and Lynch to set up a triple threat of Mania, fine by me. Last match here, World Heavyweight Championship, number one contenders, Elimination Chamber, McIntyre, Orton, Lashley, Knight, Paul, and Kevin Owens. Uh, again, same thing. McIntyre, obvious option, or do you throw a curveball with Orton or someone else? Drew, LOL. Drew, LOL. Hey, in, in a good way, though. Drew wins, LOL. In a good way, yeah. In a good way. I think, I mean, if I was betting my whole life savings, it'd be on Drew. I, I just, he's the only one, I'm pretty sure he's the only one on Raw in the match. Yes, yeah. The all directions are pointing to him winning. I guess you could swear people, but at this point, I think Drew makes the most sense. I don't know how you have him beat Cody and then lose to you know lose the chamber match. He has to win the chamber at that point. You just don't have him beat Cody for nothing, you know. No, I agree. Yeah, we'll see. But I'm looking forward to the match. I think it's a pretty predictable card. Could end up being a pretty enjoyable uh, enjoyable event on Saturday. We'll break it down here on the show next Thursday. Until then, Mr. Marceau, new episodes every week. WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, Pandora. Uh, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. New episodes every single Thursday. Enjoy the show on Saturday, my friend. We'll talk next week. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the weekend. See you later, man. Join Graham, GSM Matthews, and R.J. Marceau every Thursday.
as they run down their weekly wrestling rants, offer expert analysis, host exclusive interviews, and more. Subscribe today on all your favorite podcast platforms and never miss an episode of Wrestle Rant Radio.